Chapter 8, Chapter 9, The Way of Perfection by St. Teresa of Avila. This is a Discerning Hearts recording, read by Chris McGregor. The Way of Perfection by St. Teresa of Avila. Translated and edited by E. Ellison Pierce. Let us now come to the detachment which we must practice, for if this is carried out perfectly, it includes everything else. I say it includes everything else because if we care nothing for any created things but embrace the Creator alone, His Majesty will infuse the virtues into us in such a way that, provided we labor to the best of our abilities day by day, we should not have to wage war much longer. For the Lord will take our defense in hand against the devils and against the whole world. Do you suppose, daughters, that it is a small benefit to obtain for ourselves this blessing of giving ourselves wholly to him and keeping nothing for ourselves? Since, as I say, all blessings are in him, let us give him hearty praise, sisters, for having brought us together here, where we are occupied in this alone. I do not know why I am saying this when all of you here are capable of teaching me, for I confess that in this important respect I am not as perfect as I should like to be, and as I know I ought to be. And I must say the same about all the virtues and about all that I am dealing with here, for it is easier to write of such things than to practice them. I may not even be able to write of them effectively for sometimes ability to do this comes only from experience. That is to say, if I have any success, it must be because I explain the nature of these virtues by describing the contraries of the qualities I myself possess. As far as exterior matters are concerned, you know how completely cut off we are from everything. Oh, my Creator and Lord, when have I merited so great an honor? Thou seemest to have searched everywhere for means of drawing nearer to us. May it please thy goodness that we not lose this through our own fault. O sisters, for the love of God, try to realize what a great favor the Lord has bestowed on those of us whom he has brought here. Let each of you apply this to herself, since there are only twelve of us, and his majesty has been pleased for you to be one. What a multitude of people! Do I know who are better than myself and would gladly take this place of mine? Yet the Lord has granted it to me who so ill deserve it. Bless be thou, my God, and let the angels and all created things praise thee, for I can no more repay this favor than all the others thou hast shown me. It was a wonderful thing to give me the vocation to be a nun. But I have been so wicked, Lord, that thou couldst not trust me. In a place where there were many good women living together, my wickedness would not perhaps have been noticed right down to the end of my life. I should have concealed it, as I did for so many years. So thou didst bring me here, where, as there are so few of us, that it would seem impossible for it to remain unnoticed, Thou dost remove occasions for sin from me, so that I may walk the more carefully. There is no excuse for me, then, Lord, I confess it, and so I have need of thy mercy, that thou mayest pardon me. 
Remember, my sisters, that if we are not good, we are much more to blame than others. What I earnestly beg of you is that anyone who knows she will be unable to follow our customs will say so before she is professed. There are other convents in which the Lord is also well served, and she should not remain here and disturb these few of us whom His Majesty has brought together for His service. In other convents, nuns are free to have the pleasure of seeing their relatives, whereas here, if relatives are ever admitted, it is only for their own pleasure. A nun who very much wishes to see her relatives in order to please herself and does not get tired of them after the second visit, must, unless they are spiritual persons, and do her soul some good, consider herself imperfect, and realize that she is neither detached nor healthy, and will have no freedom of spirit or perfect peace. She needs a physician. And I consider that if this desire does not leave her, she is not cured. She is not intended for this house. The best remedy, I think, is that she should not see her relatives again until she feels free in spirit and has obtained this freedom from God by many prayers. When she looks upon such visits as crosses, let her receive them by all means, for then they will do the visitors good and herself no harm. But if she is fond of the visitors, if their troubles are a great distress to her, and if she delights in listening to the stories which they tell her about the world, she may be sure that she will do herself harm and do them no good. Chapter 9 Oh, if we religious understood what harm we get from having so much to do with our relatives, how we should shun them, do not see what pleasure they can give us, or how quite apart from the harm they do us as touching our obligations to God, they can bring us any peace or tranquility. For we cannot take part in their recreations, as it is not lawful for us to do so, and though we can certainly share their problems, we can never help weeping for them, sometimes more than they do themselves. If they bring us any bodily comforts, there is no doubt that our spiritual life and our poor souls will pay for it. From this you are quite free here, for as you have everything in common and none of you may accept any private gift, all the alms given us being held by the community, you are under no obligation to entertain your relatives in return for what they give you, since as you know, the Lord will provide for us all in common. I am astounded at the harm which intercourse with our relatives does us. I do not think anyone who had not experience of it would believe it. And how our religious orders nowadays, or most of them at any rate, seem to be forgetting about perfection, though all or most of the saints wrote about it. I do not know how much of the world we really leave when we say that we are leaving everything for God's sake if we do not withdraw ourselves from the chief thing of all, namely, our kinsfolk. The matter has reached such a pitch that some people think, when religious are not fond of their relatives and do not see much of them, it shows a want of virtue in them, and they not only assert this, but allege reasons for it. 
In this house, daughters, we must be most careful to commend our relatives to God, for that is only right. For the rest, we must keep them out of our minds as much as we can, as it is natural that our desires should be attached to them more than to other people. My own relatives were very fond of me, or so they used to say, and I was so fond of them that I would not let them forget me. But I have learned by my own experience and by that of others that it is God's servants who have helped me in trouble. My relatives, apart from my parents, have helped me very little. Parents are different, for they very rarely fail to help their children. And it is right that when they need our comfort, we should not refuse it them. If we find our main purpose is not harmed by our doing so, we can give it to them and yet be completely detached. And this also applies to brothers and sisters. Believe me, sisters, if you serve God as you should, you will find no better relatives than those of his servants whom his majesty sends you. I know this is so. And if you keep on as you are doing here, and realize that by doing otherwise you will be failing your true friend and spouse, you may be sure that you will very soon gain this freedom. Then you will be able to trust those who love you for his sake alone more than all your relatives, and they will not fail you, so that you will find parents and brothers and sisters where you had never expected to find them. For these help us, and look for their reward only from God. Those who look for rewards from us soon grow tired of helping us when they see that we are poor and can do nothing for them. This cannot be taken as a generalization, but it is the most usual thing to happen in the world, for it is the world all over. If anyone tells you otherwise and says it is a virtue to do such things, do not believe them. I should have to write at great length. In view of my lack of skill and my imperfection, if I were to tell you of all the harm that comes from it, as others have written about it, who know what they are talking about better than I, what I have said will suffice. If, imperfect as I am, I have been able to grasp as much as this, how much better will those who are perfect do so All the advice which the saints give us about fleeing from the world is, of course, good. Believe me, then, attachment to our relatives is, as I have said, the thing which sticks to us most closely and is hardest to get rid of. People are right, therefore, when they flee from their own part of the country, if it helps them, I mean, for I do not think we are helped so much by fleeing from any place in a physical sense as by resolutely embracing the good Jesus, our Lord, with the soul. Just as we find everything in him, so for his sake we forget everything. Still, it is a great help until we have learned this truth to keep apart from our kinsfolk. Later on, it may be that the Lord will wish us to see them again, so that what used to give us pleasure may be a cross to us.